Now let us turn our Bibles as we continue in 1 Samuel. Now we come to chapter 6. Chapter 6. Now for those of you who paid attention during um, the reading of chapter 6, verses 1 to 9, you will probably notice something interesting. Now these are the Philistines. They are unbelievers of Jehovah. They have their own gods. They worship their own gods. But notice a few things. Look at verse 3 and 8. Look at verse 3 first. Now, they talk about well, trespass offering. They have this concept of, well, seeking forgiveness from Jehovah. And they spoke of trespass offering. They said, well, if you want to send this ark of God back, and you notice that you've been, well, chastised, by, punished by him, well, seek forgiveness from, from Jehovah. They understood this concept, trespass offering. Now then, in verse 8 as well, all right, they mention again um, about um, take the other lay upon the card, and he talk about the trespass offering again. This concept is in them. Now then, look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. They also have this concept of glorifying Jehovah. Now he says, now give glory unto the God of Israel. They have this concept as well. They say, well, you know, this God should be glorified, should be lifted up, should be acknowledged, exalted. Interesting, isn't it? Now, look at verse 6. They also have this concept in verse 6 where they warn their religious leaders, warn the people not to harden their hearts like Pharaoh hardened his heart against Jehovah. So likewise, they say, well, now, don't be stubborn, all right? Don't harden your heart against this God like Pharaoh did. We know their history. For seven months, they've been holding on, as we've read, we've well, come to seven months already, holding on to this ark and all sorts of things, negative um, things have been happening to them. So why, do you, why are you still stubborn? Don't harden your heart against this God. Now, isn't it interesting? Worshippers of idols, but yet they have this concept of seeking forgiveness from Jehovah, glorifying Jehovah, not hardening their hearts against Jehovah. Now, we have to realize as believers that there are people in the world today that are like that as well. The question is this. What is their understanding of God, of Jehovah? What is their understanding of how to obtain forgiveness from this Jehovah? What is their understanding of who He is and therefore how they should respond to Jehovah. How? How? Well, in the case of Israel, Israel was supposed to be the witness of God to the nations around them. God reminded them again and again, I chose you as my people, not because you, are, you were obedient, not because you're great people, not because you were good at all. In fact, you are the smallest and you are, you, I know you are always a stubborn people. But he reminded them, I chose you to be my people, to be my witnesses, to be my light. In fact, I chose you to be the repository of my word. I will give my word. And which nation will I give my word, my holy scriptures to, that the rest of the world may know? You. I will choose you. And when you have my word, you're supposed to know it and to live by it so that the world around you will see and know who I am by the way you live and by what you tell them of me, not just by the way you live, but what you tell them. 
You have the word. I chose you. You are supposed to be my light. Now, Israel, until this point, well, well at least having, having um, the Philistines living among them for three to four months? No. Years? No. Decades? No. Hundreds of years. Three to four hundreds of years by now. And you notice that the understanding of, well, even the religious leaders of the Philistines who have been among them for hundreds of years, as much as they understand this concept, well, they seek trespass, for, uh, trespass offerings. They, they have this concept, glorify their God. They have this concept, well, obey this, this God. But yet they do not know him correctly. Well, if they did not want to learn, if they did not care, of course, there are some who are like that. Maybe some of the generations of the Philistines were like that. But we are clear about one thing. This is the period of the judges still. They have not entered into the periods of kings yet. I keep reminding ourselves where we are at in scriptures. It was a period described by God and characterized by God as every man doing what is right in their own eyes. And we saw it in the first few chapters of Samuel. For Samuel, their offerings were all marred. Their ideas about God were all wrong. Their practices were despicable. So much so that the people despised and they hated the sacrifices of God. Now, it was that kind of state. Now, if, if Israel bore a good testimony, if Israel obeyed the word of the Lord, if Israel shined forth as a bright shining light of who God is by the way they live and by the way they obeyed God's word and by the way they, they let the word of God be known to the Philistines, to the nations around them, well, that's different. They can't be blamed. But we know that this was the time where Israel was living in outright disobedience. Uh, what is the lesson for us today? Christians, there are people like that in the world. They may be idol worshippers. They may be believers in, of other religions. But they still have this concept. Well, there's this Christian religion. They have this concept uh, that the Christian God, well, they glorify this God, they obey this God, and they seek this God's forgiveness. There are those who are like that. Don't you have those in, among, your, among your friends, your classmates, your relatives, um, uh, your colleagues, your neighbours? There are those around us that are like that. The question is this. Are you a light? Are you a witness to them? A good witness, a true light, a bright, shining, faithful light? Or are you someone who stumble them? That is the title for today. Are you a witness? Or are you someone who stumble others? Now, like I said, of course, there are those that, well, they would not want to know. Even if you shared with them, even you, you, um, you um, speak with them, they are going to reject you. Yes, there are those, of course. But when others do not have the right concept of who God is, how to approach Him, how to gain forgiveness, and how to live thereafter for Him, now, let it not ever be because you failed. I failed. Let it not be because, well, we live our lives going on as a Christian, 
letting them know that we are a Christian, but yet, but yet, we continue to stumble them. Israel continued to worship God, so to speak. We saw their worship was, was all wrong, in disobedience to the word of God, in, in irreverence. But they continued for hundreds of years. The nations around them continued to know that Israel worships Jehovah. Is it not like us? For years, for decades, people know that you are a Christian. And you plot on as a Christian. You come to church. You learn the word of God. You, you even serve in church. For years and years, for decades already. But we have to examine our own lives and really ask ourselves, have I been like Israel? Where they acknowledge that I worship Jehovah, this God, this Christian God. But I have to ask myself, like Israel, I keep going to the temple, I keep coming to church today. And I even serve him. I even tithe and give offerings. But I have to examine my life. I can't keep plodding and plodding on and not examine and ask myself, wait, hang on, let me stop and ask myself, what is it that people really see about God in my life? Now, my point is this. Christian, do not think like Israel, where as long as you call Jehovah your God and you ignore other gods, at least ignore other idols, don't think that just because you... You have the outward semblance, life, and activities of a Christian. Therefore, I must be a good light. Don't ever think like that. Israel thought like that. Well, all is fine. And they just kept going on and on and on. They, if they stopped and examined themselves and said, am I truly a light to these Philistines around us for hundreds of years? What have I made them known, know about this Jehovah, this living, this only living and true God? What do they know about him? If I think if they stop and ask themselves that question, they will stop saying, I got to stop living as I want to because I have been chosen to be a light. So Christian, that is the main thrust for today's message. To examine ourselves. Am I a light? Am I a witness? Or am I a stumbler? But I, before we go into some of the applications, and as we look through the word, don't think that being a testimony is just to unbelievers. Don't have this concept, am I a witness when I go to school, to when I am among colleagues, when I'm among relatives? Am I a witness to the unbelievers? A witness is a witness. A witness is a, is a light to all around you. Both believers, uh, this is the part. We often forget that we are also witnesses to believers. We can stumble believers. The Apostle Paul wrote much about that in the book of Corinthians. They fail as witnesses even to their own brethren. So ask yourself, and when you go through this passage, think, well, at work, what about at work to believers and unbelievers? What about in school to believers and unbelievers? Some of you go to Christian schools, so to speak, Christian schools. You mustn't think, well, I'm in a Christian school, so I don't need to be a witness. They all come to Christian schools. Probably they are Christians or be in, are interested in Christianity. That's why they come. You are also a witness to them. Now, what about the home? The home. The home. Don't think that only when I step out of these doors, then I better be a witness. 
when I go to work. You are a witness to your parents. Whether they're believers or unbelievers, you just witness about different things. Are you a witness to your spouse? Ah, spouse, we know each other so well. We don't need to pretend. Yes, you should never pretend. But are you sincerely trying to be a faithful witness to your spouse? Oh, no, I'm with my spouse. I can let my hair down and just sin that she understands, he will understand. No, you're supposed to hold that witness all the time. At the home, sometimes it's the most difficult. Isn't it true? Are you a witness to your children? What do they see of Christianity? What, how, what do they understand about this God? They are young. There are many things they have not learned, but they will learn through your life. Not just what you say, but what you do, does it, is it congruent with what you say? That is where they are going to learn the most. If you're a hypocrite, they will learn, well, the witness of a Christian is we, we can be just hypocrites. Are you a witness to your children? Whether they are young or whether they have grown up, when you are, when you are with your grown-up children, what kind of witness do you bear to them? Are your witness, young ones, teens, young adults, are you a witness, a good witness to your siblings? To your siblings. You see, we always think witness is to that colleague at work, to that classmate in school, but you are also a witness to your sibling at home. Fight. Do you fight? Despise one another? Um, falsely accuse one another? Be jealous, envious, and um, um, keep things to yourself. What kind of witness are you? We are a witness after we are saved. God chose Israel. And we love to say, God saved me to glorify Him. means to be a witness for Him, right? We, we say that all the time, the chief end of men. We can say it in our sleep. But now we have to realize, I really have to examine my life. Like Israel, who has been worshipping, so to speak, God for hundreds of years. But how is it that the nations around them have this idea, these wrong ideas about God, although they have certain concepts? Is it because of Israel's failure? Is it because of me in my home, in my workplace? Now, let us learn some applications from this passage. As we go on, let's examine our own lives. Now, let's first look at verses 3 and 5, right? Verse 3. Now, they were struggling with the plagues hitting them. We studied that last week. And they wanted to, well, get the ark away from them. And we learn it is sad, isn't it? Instead of turning to God, they want to get rid of God. Now, but the religious leaders itself send it away. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, send it away with um, trespass offering. Now, look at verse 3. Then ye shall be healed. Healed, and his hand will be removed from you. Now, very often, unbelievers, they turn to gods for a purpose, usually for healing, for physical, in other words, some fun, physical deliverance. The hand of God, well, from some affliction, some trouble in life. Those that acknowledge there is a God, they typically turn to them for such physical matters, physical purposes, right? physical benefits. That is natural for them. But we are to be witnesses. What kind of Christian witness are you 
Make yourself if they're elderly, among your friends and relatives. What do they see of you as a Christian? Now, if you're someone who constantly talk about, I want to be healed of this, I don't want to fall sick, I'm afraid of this illness, and it's always about your health. You know, I saw this doctor, that doctor is so good at constantly about your health. You know, you should take this medicine and you should take that medicine. Why? You should do this, then that. It will keep you healthy. Now, I am not for a moment saying that health is evil. Neither am I saying that we don't see doctors, we don't take medications. Or we can't talk about any health ailment. But the question is this. What are you portraying about being a Christian in relation to physical things in life? For example, health. What do you portray to them? It's when it's always about sickness, 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 healing, 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 or deliverance, deliverance, deliverance. Oh, the hand of God will remove this problem in my life. Now, if that is your main preoccupation as a Christian and your relatives and your friends and your colleagues, many hear you talk about that. What is the image of Christianity, of God? Well, you go to God for all these physical things. What witness are you? Or are you a witness student? It's not always about, well, I hope that God answer my prayer and, give me, and help me pass this exam and do well in my project and, and so on and so forth. It's always that with your friends. That is the world, all right? That is what they seek after. But are you and I a witness where they see, whether in difficulties or in smooth times, whether in sickness or in health, whether in um, um, struggles or in um, um, victories, what do they see about God in your life? Is it one of submission, trust? Is it one of um, dependence upon Him for spiritual reasons, not just for physical deliverance? And they understand that every time you seek physical deliverance, it's because you want to achieve your spiritual purpose on earth. I want to... I want to I want to be smart. And your friends always know you, you want to be smart. Why? Because you want to be able to finish your homework quickly and be, spend time with the Lord and go to church and learn and serve. That is why you want to be smart. Oh, I want to be smart because I want to be smart. That is all. I want to be healed. I want to be healthy. Why? So that I can go for holidays. So I can eat all the food that I want to eat. Or is it so that I can continue to worship the Lord in person? I can serve Him even at whatever age. I want to be in health to serve him. I'm not saying you don't have health, you can't serve him. But why do, what do they see about what you seek from God in terms of deliverance? They will begin to seek God for the same reason. What light are we? Do they see that spiritual things are priorities in our life compared to the physical? I'm not saying physical things in life, the... the Necessary things are not important, but I'm talking about priority. Why seek ye first the kingdom of God or what? Now then we move quickly. Now then we have this um, in verse, verse 4, right? Verse 4, what else? Now I say, what shall be the trespass offering? What shall be the trespass offering? Now what is their idea of salvation? What is it? And at this point of time, they said, well, what's the answer? Verse 4, they answered, five golden emeralds and five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of Philistines. For one plague was on you all and on your lords. 
Now, they thought that this, this golden um, mice that they make, these golden emeralds that they make, these are the things that they will receive. For, and they offer this to God as trespass offering. They will receive forgiveness. In other words, well, they feel that you can buy salvation from God. Buy salvation from God. Now, if you are not a believer, or maybe you, are, you think you are a believer, and for many years, you think that you can have salvation because you are a good person, and you do good works, and you are a good Christian. In, because of that, your, your good works, you can buy salvation from God. You can purchase it from God. I hope that you do not think like the Philistines. Far from it. Now, the trespass offering that the children of Israel offered was always to represent Christ coming to be the offering, to be the one that will partake their sins upon himself and that he will pay for their sins. If you think that your good works can wash away a single sin, then you think that you can buy your way into heaven. Don't ever think like that. Don't ever entertain the thought. If it is there, you must now ask for forgiveness. Say, Lord, forgive me. My idea has always been, if I do this and that for you in church, well, I can gain my way to heaven. You'll be pleased with me. Banish that thought once and for all. You cannot be saved by that. Now, but what about the believers? Now, we also can live a life before our friends, our relatives. Now, this is the worst. We, live, we, can, we think we can live such a life before believers, our children, our parents, our family members, our Christian friends. What is this life? That I can bribe God. I can bribe God. God is pleased with these kind of things that I bring to Him. Now, when I sin, when I sin, well, I can, I can choose to disobey God in certain areas. But don't worry. The concept that you have, that you can have is, well, I disobey God. I, I don't want to obey God in this matter, in my family or in my personal work or in, in my workplace. I don't want to disobey God's command, commandments in certain things in my life. But what I'll do is this. I'll make it up to God. How? Well, I will, I will give more tithes and offerings. I will, I will serve God, all right? I, I will go to church more frequently. I'll attend more things. I'll make sacrifices to, to serve in ministries. You know, with all these areas that I obey and sacrifice to God in and, make, and take losses in, well, certain areas should be made up for it. If you live with a consciousness that you can disobey God in certain things as a parent, don't worry, our children will see that. You see, Daddy and Mommy, we are so, so active in church, Right? But they know we are disobeying certain things. They will have the idea that, it, that no, we, we are making up for it. Do you have that concept? Well, teens, do you have that concept in your heart? I love this. I, will, I just want to have this in my life, whether it's a person or it's a thing, or it's your computer games. I just want to play this. I know it's, it's wicked kind of games. But I will do my quiet time um, diligently, longer, pray. I will go for prayer meetings. I make up for it. Don't ever think like that. Now, parents, your children learn from you. Your children, or rather I said, do you understand why it's the most difficult place to bear a faithful witness is the home? We have to be squeaky clean. 
truly sincere to the very intent of the Word of God, not just outward keeping. Now then we have, so that is one, all right? So physical is our focus rather than spiritual. The second one is where we think that we can bribe God. And the third one that we can send in terms of a wrong message is this. Well, now look at their ideas about God. Look at verse 5. Wherefore, he shall make images of your emeralds and images of your minds. And then they say, and ye shall give glory unto the God of Israel. Images, idols, in other words. Now they have this syncretic idea, you know, the term, right? Syncretic means, well, this is God, and also these other are also gods. Then we can worship Jehovah together with other gods. In fact, he would say, look at verse 5, he lightened his hand from off you and from off your gods. They have this um, syncretic worship of Jehovah kind of idea. Now, where would they get this idea that this Jehovah would accept this concept of images? The children of Israel knew very clearly they were not supposed to well, put their faith in, 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 um, in the symbols, but in the substance. The, the ark was just a symbol. We studied that in chapter three, uh, chapter 4. It was a symbol. But over time, the children of Israel turned the symbol into the substance. Where did these people get the idea that images was important? Now, look at chapter 4, please. I hope you remember. Look at chapter 4. Quickly, chapter 4. Now, verse 7. And the Philistines were afraid while they heard this great shout. Now, all the while it was quiet. Then there was this, in verse 6, a great shout in the camp. In verse 7. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God is come into the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing before us, and woe unto us. Well, now, they, when the ark arrived at the camp, that was when they heard the children of Israel shouted so loud they couldn't hear it from afar in the battlefield. Now, what was the children of Israel sending in terms of message to them? Well, it is the image, the ark. God is the ark. They have this idea, image is what is important. So they will pick up it. Well, well, they're God. You see, they, they felt that this physical thing in their midst is what is important. Then let's make images. Let's make images because it looks like this God is about images. Well, you say, Pastor, don't worry. We don't have images in our lives. Now, we learned again and again, right? We learned again and again. What is an idol? Yes, we don't have these physical things. Even in scriptures, God taught them. The idol is not merely just the physical thing. Yeah, you're not supposed to have the physical thing. But the idol is basically what you idolize in your heart. Remember the seven T's that I try to help us remember? What is an idol? Is this an idol to you? Do, do you live in a way where the unbelievers say, well, this person worships God, the Christian God, but at the same time have idols in their life? And actually trust quite a lot in idols. When, the, when those idols are present in their life, they seem to shout and be very happy. What is an idol to us? What you th think about more than Christ through the day. 
what you would talk about more than spiritual things through the day. What you thirst after more than Christ in your life. What you treasure more than Christ in your life. What you tremble at more than Christ in your life. You're more afraid of losing this than losing Christ. You're more afraid of, 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 the, of, of um, losing this thing or that thing in your life than losing the presence of Christ. What you trust in more than Christ. If I don't have this, your, your, your children, your, your, your friends for singles, your, your relatives, they see that when you don't have that thing in your life, you seem to tremble and you seem to feel that you must have that thing. Without that, well, even God with you is no use. Lastly, that you will give the throne of your heart to rather than give it to Christ. Who sits on the throne? Who really, really, when people look at your life, is supreme ruler of your life, that you obey at all costs in your life? Who takes that throne? They see, Christians, they see. We can talk about God, we can go to church and all that, but they will see by the way you live, by the way you, what you pursue, what you talk about constantly. Now, they will also learn. Your children will learn. Yes, God is important, but Daddy and Mommy have shown me that without these things, it is no use. We need to have these things. Or as a single, you crave and crave and crave for certain things. Likewise, your other friends will see. So what is that testimony you and I bear, dear friends? Well, some of the things that I think we should think about is this. Well, you know, the health and wealth gospel. The focus is health. That was the first point. And then the focus is wealth. These things are what God desires, what God seeks. Now, that is why they say give gold and jewels of gold to God. Gold is important to God. And therefore, it must be something that God treasures. And the, well, what he treasures, if he gives to you, is very good. Health and wealth, that is very important. So this whole idea, this Christianity today that many people see is the health and wealth gospel. And as a result, what's the, what's, what's the impact? Many go to church with syncretic worship. They go to a so-called Christian church that sings about Christ, that talks about Christ, that prays to Christ. But really, they go there for health and wealth purposes. I'm coming to be healed. Oh, this is a lousy church. There's no healing service. I'm not interested. It's not about God. It's not about pursuing God and His righteousness. Welcome to this church. Oh, it's, it's not about telling me that God wants to bless me, wants to make me rich. I'm a businessman. That is why I seek a religion. You see, when we, as Christianity today, make health and wealth, now I'm not saying health and wealth itself are necessarily evil, but when we make that the reason for why we come to God and make that as if it's the purpose of Christianity, now that is what has happened. What is the testimony of the health and wealth gospel? Well, the answer is clear. Now, but closer to home, closer to home. Now, at home, you can talk about God, you can have family worship, um, you can bring your children to church, and so on. Now, I'm saying that those are good, right? You should maintain them. But if your children see, yes, we have these things, but what makes you rejoice and shout 
You may not shout, but you can see from your face and your behavior. Like the children of Israel, it's when the ark came, that idol is present, then they are happy. Then they feel secure. Then they feel safe. And when they see, you come back, all right? When it seems like good results of your child, it's more important than their spiritual walk with God. You're, more, you're very pleased with that. But when they, when, when they walk close to the Lord, it doesn't seem to be that important to you. What would they learn? Syncretic worship. That is actually more important. When you see that, oh, you know, I got a pay increment or I, we, we, have, well, we have a nice house, a big car, whatever it is. They say, that is what makes you say, yay! Well, you can have all the other Christian things in your life. But what testimony are you bearing to them? The reality is you're promoting, well, you don't have to say health and wealth gospel is wrong because you and I may be promoting that in our very own homes. In our very own homes. What witness do they see? A genuine witness. I'm not saying just an outward show. All right? That was what Israel had. They had all the outward shows. Now then the next thing we learn. Verse 7. Verse 7. Now therefore, make a new cart um, and bring it and, and so on and so on. Right? Now they say make a new cart, um, take two milk kind and um, upon, upon which that had come no yoke, tie the kind to the cart, and bring their calves home from them. All right? And take the out of the Lord, lay it upon the cart, and so on. And, and so, now they intended to obey God and worship God with their own ideas. They came up with their own ideas. Do this, do this, do this, do this. And yes, you know, this is the way to please God. Now, isn't this a description again of the children of Israel? God said that during this period, what characterized them was every man did that which was right in his own eyes. They came up with their own ideas of worship, their own ideas about what is obedience, what is not, what is right, what is wrong, and they just live as they wished. Now, Christian, we can also, we can also send that picture to other Christians and, other, and our family members. We can also do that. How? How? Now, instead of studying the Word of God and obeying the Word of God, we, we say things like, we don't, we don't need to attend so many Bible studies. We don't need to take all these courses. We don't need to be so serious. You know, the most important thing is love God and love one another. Yes, that is a summary of all the commandments. But the point is this. This summarizes the commandments. The details of the commandments must be known to us. Oh, just big picture, big picture. Just love everybody and, and um, um, love God. That's good enough. And then we begin to come up with our own ideas. Sometimes when pastors counsel families, you've got to stop this. You've got to obey this. Word of God who says this about this matter regarding family or regarding whatever sin is occurring in their lives. Typically, those who well, make up their own ideas will say, Pastor, you don't understand. It's not practical. Pastor, you don't understand. You know? We live in different times. Pastor, you don't understand. If you live according to that, we, we are not, we are going to fail. My child is not going to succeed in this life. So he said, no, you know, we, we should do this and this and this. You see, it works in the world. From our experience, from our ideas, this is what works. That is the idea. We bring our ideas instead of obeying the word of God to the dot. Now, next week we'll learn what will happen to the children of Israel when they handle the ark. These are unbelievers. 
They handled it this way. God did not strike them down immediately for mercy. But the children of Israel, they knew. But when they failed, we are going to see what happened to them. You see, we bring our own ideas about raising children. We take in some of the unbiblical ideas from the world. But we see that their children do well, they should work. We bring in ideas about, well, um, how to choose what course to study, what, 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 um, what careers to enter into, who to marry. Right? Those of you who are not attending the series we are on on Friday on the finding the will of God, please come. Right? We are going to talk about these things. How do you find God's will in this thing? But you see, for, for this, they are not going to ask. Let's ask God how, what he expects. Let's just do this. The will of God is out of their minds. Now, we can be like that. Now, parents, I really hope that your children see that you're someone who is very serious about obedience to the Lord, to the dot. It's not extreme. Right? It's not um, impractical. It's not um, unwise. It is the wisest thing to do on earth. So they have their own ideas, and sometimes we bring that, that, that kind of Christian living and portray it to unbelievers as well. They see you go to work. They see the way you make decisions, not according to Christian principles and so on. All right, we are running out of time now. Let's... Now, but I also want to highlight this. One of the biggest scandals, as you always already known in scriptures, uh, in, in the news, the big scandal that brings down the name of Christ, the name of Christianity again and again, is this health and wealth gospel thing. And if it's not health and wealth, it's, it's the way pastors live. It's the way um, what, what they promote by their own lives. They may teach all the right things, but what they do. You know, it's said today that People avoid Christianity because of how many stumble others. They avoid Christianity because of the dishonesty, the covetousness of church leaders. That's what's happening today, how we stumble them. It's sad to hear things like unbelievers labeling pastors' lifestyle as what will make, um, will embarrass even those who are notoriously decadent and extravagant in their lifestyle, the unbelievers, will even put their lifestyle to shame. It's so sad to hear this. That is the light that Christianity shows to the world today. It ought not to be so. Now then, now with respect to making up our own ideas in obeying God, Christian there is one principle that we learn in Philippians 4.8. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise. What was that? Virtue speaks of excellence, not just modesty, right? But excellence. The Christian's life should always be characterized by a choice for excellence. That is the way of God. That is the testimony we ought to bear to the world and to our children and to one another. Now, parents, if you begin to think, or Christians as singles, you begin to think, well, there is this and there is this. Well, this is not really sinful, but I know this is better and this is excellent for my family, for the bringing up of the child, for, um, um, for um, testament to my spouse. This is the excellent. Well, Paul always said, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. 
all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. What am I trying to say? We can come up with this idea that, well, we just don't have to choose the excellent. Yes, the other one is not sin, but it allows us to live the way we want to live. The Christians should always portray to one another, I will always choose that, will, 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 be, that which will glorify God best, that will bring up godly seed the best way, that would make my life the most sanctified and would reduce temptation in my life. I will always choose the very best. I won't say that, well, this is well, not unlawful, right? That is how we bring, how we show a testimony to Christians. Because whatever you choose, your children, we studied that in a family seminar, your children will choose even less. Please remember that. It always degrades. Your Christian friends too. Now quickly, to what about the point about stumbling others on keeping the Lord's Day? Hmm? The Lord's Day. What is their idea of your worship of God? How important to, the, to you is the Lord's Day? How you keep it? How do you keep it when you're with your children? Do they see that God is all important and it's a day you keep it holy to worship Him? Or you're too embarrassed to show that to them? Now, when God is very real to you, you won't be like Eli. The problem with Eli, God made it explicitly clear. You honour your children more than me. When you do that, when you show that you're more embarrassed to worship, you'd rather please them. You are doing a big disfavour to your children, like Eli. You honour your children more than them. That is how you send the wrong testimony of God to them. God is less important to you, and they are more important. Now, I'm running out of time. Let's move to the last one. Now, then we move to verse 9, all right? Verse 9. Now, they said this. Now, let us find out whether it was chance that happened to us, whether it was chance, whether it was chance. Now, what is the problem here? You see, they had this concept that if they send away the ark, then they, if they do not have any problems, then it must be this ark, this God, in this ark. Sending or having it is the idea of a localized God. Please understand that. The pagans, the, the idol worshippers in those times, they have one main concept. It's about whether a God is localized God. It's always a localized God. That's why they have God of the mountain, God of the valley, God of the waters, God of the uh, um, um, skies, all right? God of the air. It's always God of the something. Like, like Dagon. Why was he so powerful? Because his two gods blend in one, right? God of the water, half fish, God of the land, of the agriculture, with hands, with human body, right? So that's why he is God of gods. So they always have this concept of a localized God. The children of Israel was supposed to show them that God is supreme, He is omnipresent. What was the problem with them? When the ark was not with them, no sound. When the ark was with them, they screamed and shout, shouted. They could hear from afar. So to them, it's, God is not an omnipresent God. If we have the ark present, God is with us. The opposite idea was supposed to be sent to the nations around them. They failed in that testimony, miserably. 
So they continued with the idea, localize God. Now, Christian, when you and I live in a way where we, we show the world around us, God is not supreme. We give them the idea that God is just among many gods. He's just the most powerful among other gods. You do a very big disservice to them. Please know that. It is not being exclusive. It is not being proud. If Israel only showed them God is not just the most pow more powerful than your God, but God is the only true and living God. If only Israel bore that testimony, these people would perhaps come to Christ, come to God and say, oh, now we realize all other gods are false. They would come to God with the right idea and they can get saved. So Christian, don't think that telling people that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life is something that is too proud. You do disservice to them when they do not know that. Israel was supposed to show the world that God is omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient, omni. In every aspect means the one and only and supreme above all and all else are false. He's the only one. That is what Israel was supposed to bear to the world. Now, what about you and I? We learned in the previous week about how we too bring Jehovah and put it next to Dagon, right? We learned that. We have our Dagons. And we will bring Jehovah, introduce Jehovah to our Dagons. Is our testimony the same? Where we trust, we fear, we thirst after the things of the world and trust in them more than God. Yes, I must have God as well as these Dagons in my life. What is the image you send to them? That God is all-sufficient because the only living and true God. What is the testimony? Now, the other thing is this. God or chance? They kept thinking, maybe chance, maybe chance. What is the biggest thing that the Christian would really shame God in our testimony when you believe in evolution? Evolution says God created by chance. Oh, no, sorry. Evolution says this, this world, this everything came about by chance. Chance. Probability of to infinite, but it's chance. It's possible. Christians today believe in evolution. Chance, that's what it is. The children of Israel were, were supposed to put this, this idea into the nations around them. Nothing is by chance. Our God is supreme. He's sovereign. He's in absolute control and He rules everything. And everything that happens in this, on this earth, planet Earth is under His power and He ordains it. They were supposed to get the image in their testimony to the world. But they themselves live by chance. Well, if the ark came in our midst, yay. Or lost it, well, lost. They showed that idea. Now, claiming creation is claiming to the world that this is the creator. The world did not come by chance. Though unbelievers tend to think that things are by chance. Now, elderly and young alike, I hope we drop this word completely from our vocabulary. Sometimes I still hear and I try to patiently and you know, humbly and help people change. Don't use the word luckily. Luckily. I, luckily, I went to the doctor. Luckily, this was discovered. Luckily, my health is good. Luckily. This is what the people is thinking. This is how the unbelievers think. The child of God should never say luck. You give glory instead of to God, but to luck. Luckily, never say that. 
It's always thanks be to God and mean it. So that the world will know it's always God. Do not say luckily. They live by luck. They do trying. Let's try our luck. Luck means there is no God in control. That is the testimony. Now, last but not least, is he God to all? Jehovah was, the children of Israel were supposed to bear this witness to the world. He is supreme God of all and to all. He is supreme and therefore he is supremely important to me. Is that the testimony we bear? You see, they look, after, they look for healing, they look for help, they look for all these things. Why? Because that is what Israel may have portrayed to them. We just want to win battles, that's all. Now, do you talk about God? Is He your all in all? That is the testimony. When people know you, so and so, put your name there, do, do they think, well, whenever I think of this Christian, all I think is God is supreme in this person's life all in all, in this person's family, supreme. Do they see that? Do they see that to the point where your life, not just by your life, and I've emphasized this many times, please don't fall into this era of lifestyle evangelism. Lifestyle evangelism is this idea in Christianity, um, not too long back, uh, you, you just go to work, you just go to school by your lifestyle, all right? Live a Christian life, live a good life. You don't need to share the gospel. Win them over by your life. Now, without them knowing how to be saved, that was the problem with, this, with these Philistines. They thought salvation was by this. Yes, they had their lifestyle, they have trespass offering. We have trespass offering too. I think that's fine. They, knew, they needed to know exactly what trespass offering was, what it meant. You must share the gospel, my friends. You must share the gospel. I asked some, some teenagers um, last week, say, do you, do, do you ever tell your, Christian, your friends in school about Christ? When was the last time? Now, when I was led to Christ by a Christian brother, the one thing that I remember about him till now is this. He's someone that is so clear by his speech, his interests, his thoughts. It's all about Christ. Christ is everything. When I speak with him, hardly does he talk about, you know, games, football, and you know, all the things that teens talk about. He loves to talk about Christ. He cannot speak about, stop speaking about Christ. Everything was about Christ. Every decision was about Christ. Israel was supposed to send that image to the world. Christ is supreme, and therefore in our lives, he is all important. Now, dear friends, let us examine our life anew. Yes, we are coming to church. Yes, we are doing Christian things at home. Yes, we are doing Christian things as a single and so on. But let us really ask ourselves, am I, examine every aspect of our life as a single and as a home, am I truly a faithful light? Is there any aspect of my life that I've been sending as a syncretic worship to unbelievers as well as believers? Or am I a stumbler? May God make us a blessing. Let us rise to sing the closing hymn. Shall we rise to sing the closing hymn? 383. 383. Shall we rise? 383.